You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures mate for life. But isn't that, like, cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel. Hey, hey, everybody. So today we're going to talk about a question that we get a lot. And that question that we get is, are we incompatible? You know, we talk to people, whether it's on the phone or in our Facebook group or conferences or wherever, and we hear people say, you know, I, I love my partner or my partner so much, but I just don't think that we're compatible anymore. And this is really tragic, right? And we want to answer the question, well, are you really not compatible? How do you know that? How do you know uh, when you're really not compatible with this person and it's time to move on? Uh, and how do you know when you just haven't tried the right solution yet? And how do you find the right solution? How do you come up with that? So that's what we're going to talk about today. It's a topic we're really passionate about. And without further ado, let's hop in. So to dive in, a lot of times when we talk to folks on the phone, when we talk to our clients when we're first starting to get to know them. One of the things that we hear a lot is, I love my partner so, so much, but I don't think we're compatible anymore and it's not going to work out. So today our topic is around that. We're going to talk a lot about this particular thing. If you are, com- are not compatible, what you can do, um, if there is anything you can do, and uh, when to tell whether or not those incompatibilities can be overcome. As Cassie said, we pretty regularly, one of the things that we hear, I think, I don't want to say the most, but one of the things that we hear the most when we're talking to people, um, and it's on the phone or it's in our Facebook group or wherever the case, but particularly people who have gotten gotten to a point where they're, they're talking to us on the phone and trying to figure out what they can do about their relationships. We hear people who are like, you know, I love my partner or partners so much. And I really want things to work, but I just, I just don't think we're compatible anymore. Um, and, you know, I'm not talking about folks who've already checked out, right? We talk to folks sometimes who have just checked out of their relationship, either one or both people they are just done. Um, but what I'm talking about is something else. It's something where the people involved all really want to make things work. They desperately want to make things work. And they love each other and they enjoy each other and they're so compatible in so many areas, but they have this thing that they're not compatible and that they're not able to find solutions in and they can't see a path forward. And, you know, when we get together initially, you know, we all go through that honeymoon phase and everything like that, where our partners are great and perfect and all of those things. But as time goes by, we change and our partners change and we learn more things about our partners. And, uh, you know, it 
it gets more complicated. Things get more complicated. And we start to find things with our partners that we can't see eye to eye on. Some of these things are minor, right? Like uh, you think that your partner's messy and they think that you're obsessive or, you know, you sleep differently and it turns out to be a big problem because one person wants the room really hot and one person wants the room really cold and you can't sleep or, uh, you know, you don't like the way they drive or you have different ways of wanting to organize the kitchen, whatever the case may be. And these things are small right? The, the things that I'm talking about, these are things that we run into every day with people and they're small problems, right? And we all have things like that. And for the most part, we're able to kind of tolerate those things and move past them. Like we have these things and, and a couple things and we know that, you know, that doesn't work for us and it probably isn't going to change because that's just who our partner is. But it's not that big a deal at the end of the day, all right? It's something that we're able to work past for the benefits of the things that we get from our relationship with that person, all the good things. And there are a lot of small things like that, and we all run into those as time goes on. But then there are big things, and these are things that some of us run into and not all of us. And these are things that... Uh, we don't easily see a way past like the small things, right? Things like you're polyamorous and your partner is monogamous or differences in sex drives. So some small things that folks run into is things like I am a vegetarian and you are a meat eater. You are not an omnivore. You are a meat eater. You want to suck down a nice juicy steak. And that is something that I have issues with, right? And trying to make dinner. Like that's a small incompatibility. I'm a vegetarian, you're, you know, Godzilla. We can overcome this. Maybe with a diet plan, maybe we cook separately, but that's something we can overcome. But this is a true story. I've had a client that this was something that they had issues with, right? Um, some other small things might be small things as well as far as schedule that can fall into the bigger area, but there are sometimes it's like small tweaks in how we like to spend our time. As far as other small things, maybe I'm somebody who likes to be fashionably late and I have a partner who really, really hates that. And uh, <laughs> that could be a small thing, but some bigger things can be things like maybe I'm monogamous and I am always planning to be monogamous and I was never planning to either A, be non-monogamous or B, have a partner that's non-monogamous. That's something that could be a very large challenge. In fact, a lot of folks have the belief that that's not even something that can be overcome. Uh, anything else you want to add in there? I went over a couple. I talked about sex drives and, and you yeah. know, or another one that we see a lot is, you know, maybe you're both non-monogamous, but one of you really doesn't want your partners involved, like in your everyday lives and around your family and, you know, that kind of close entwinement, but your other partner really is looking for like a family oriented polyamory situation, Right. The thing that differentiates these from those small things really is that they're not things that you can easily just ignore. And because if you do ignore them, they're things that you're going to be unhappy, you're going to be unhealthy, you're not going to be fulfilled in your relationships. 
So you can't just ignore them like you can those little problems like we do a lot of times, right? You have to find a solution for them or this relationship is going to become unworkable for you. And, you know, that puts, that puts a shadow on the relationship when you have this thing that is a big thing that isn't going to work, but you just can't solve it. Most of the time when we talk to people who are in the situation, right? And I, I really, I say most, but really, I mean all <laughs> in, in pretty much every circumstance. It's not that you haven't tried to find a way forward. Like most people that we talk to have put in years of work trying to get over whatever this thing is that's incompatible, right? And they put in the effort and they've struggled and they've done the work and they've spent significant amount of time and they've sacrificed. But no matter what they do, they just can't find a way to solve this that leaves everyone whole. So we're going to talk about this today and we're going to go through exactly how this happens, right? And the problems when you don't solve this. And we're going to talk about how to tell if you are really incompatible because that really is one of the key questions here, right? Like how do you know when you've really done everything that you should do and when it's really time to give up and move on and when you just haven't found the right solution, right? And if that's the case, if it's just you haven't found the right solution, how can you do that? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And I think one of the things that really stands out is not just having this problem, but like why we have that problem, right? Like why do we get to this place where, you know, we think we have to break up with our partners because we're incompatible, right? Because that's where it leads. Like it's the conversation that we hear over and over again, which is, oh, you and your partner are not compatible, then you should break up. And when we think, when we think that we're not compatible, regardless of if we are or are not, um, so we'll just leave that to the side right now about whether or not we are or are not compatible, right? But if we think that we are, um, it causes us to have arguments over and over again because we think that no matter what we do, our partner is wrong, right? Or, you know, we get into this idea that we're incompatible, so therefore there isn't an answer. Um, there's no greater way to lose hope in something than to believe that you're stuck, right? That you're, that you're stuck in this thing. And that makes you get to a point where you're unable to make agreements in your relationship. You're unable to move forward in other areas, even though it might just be that one thing that one big thing, not to make it small, but that one thing that makes you believe that you can't move forward in your relationship or get to a good place in other areas because that one thing's hanging over everything, right? You can't make other agreements if we're still stuck on this huge incompatibility. And as I said, it gets to that point of hopelessness where we're going to eventually break up anyway. Um, I often tell folks when I talk to them, no one breaks up over dishes, right? Nobody gets up and walks out of the house because someone left a dish in the sink. But, you know, as far as that being the last straw, well, people have walked out of houses for many silly reasons. And the thing with feeling like we're incompatible is that we get to that point easier. Maybe we have a little argument. Maybe there's something that, you know, gets sparked. Well, this is just not going to work. 
it's going to fade. It's going to fall apart anyway. So what's the point in trying to battle this out? So that, that breaking point is a lot sooner for a lot of relationships that don't need to be there. If we're talking about this thing where we're talking about how do we know if we're compatible, the first point that we really have to talk about, that we really have to define is what exactly is compatibility? So Cassie, what is compatibility? Well, I think it really depends on who you ask, right? I think we'll we'll get into our definition, but like, you know, if you if you talk to like Cosmo, right? You you flip through a Cosmo magazine, it's things like compatibility means that you and your partner believe in the same politics or you like the same sports or you like to practice the same activities or have the same fat faith and that's what compatibility is. The the thing is is that all of these things, yes, they're, they're compatibilities, but what actually makes, you know, compatibility, we found with working with folks is very different. Um, it has very little to do with like your preferred activities or your shared interest or even your shared personalities. It has a lot to do with the ability to get to a place where we can compromise, right? Where we can get to that place and negotiate. Yeah, this is a really interesting thing. So we we were putting this together and I was thinking, I was like, you know, if we're, we're doing this, we're going to talk about, you know, we're going to talk about things and how to figure out if you're compatible and this and that and the other. But I feel like if we're doing this, we really need to have, you know, the definition of what compatibility is. Because compatibility is one of those words that we all use a lot, but very rarely do we stop to actually define, right? It's it's like a lot of other words that we use, especially in the polyamorous world. And so kind of went, we both kind of went hunting. And, you know, the thing that surprised me was that it's really like, compatibility is really like this nebulous term. Like it, nobody really clearly defines compatibility. Like we talk about it. We talk about, well, I'm compatible with this person. I'm incompatible with with this person. But what exactly does that mean? And usually when we're talking about that, we're talking about things that we like, like how is it politics or religion or or all these different things. Activities. Yeah. Activities and hobbies and, you know, things like that. Um, But I don't, I don't like words that we can't define well. Right. And compatibility is one of these words that we're really all using differently and we really can't define well. It's kind of a nonsense word, right? Until uh, there's like a a definition that we all can agree on and use in a conversation, it doesn't really mean anything. So I don't think that asking if we're compatible is the right question because we don't really know what that means, right? When when I'm asking, am, am I compatible with Cassie? Not only does she not know what I mean, but I don't really know what that means, right? So we were thinking about this and what's a better question to ask than are we compatible? Like how do you need to actually ask this question to get an answer that matters? And what I think is the right question isn't, are we compatible? I think the right question is, is there a way in which our lives can intersect that leaves us better off than if we were apart? And I think that's the right question because a couple of reasons, but it really cuts right through not only this definition of what's compatible, but it really cuts right to the heart of the matter, right? 
if is having this person in my life going to be better than not having them in my life? And if so, what are the ways that that can look? And how can I make that happen? Um, that, I think, is a much more valuable question than are we compatible? And once you realize that that's the question that you're asking, is there a way I can have this person in my life? Is there a way that our lives can intersect that, that brings me joy, that leaves us better than often being apart, right? That, that's beneficial to both of us then you realize that there's very little that you can't bridge when you're approaching your relationship from a spirit of teamwork and creativity. So kind of the first step with this is to realize that are we compatible isn't the question that you need to be asking. With that, you want to go, and I'm sure a lot of you are like, okay, but what if we really aren't compatible? Right? Like what are the signs of that? Which in this means, what if we really can't, organize our lives in a way that we're going to be better off? What if this is really a situation where any continued relationship here is going to be do more harm than good? So I want to give you a little bit of a a checklist, if you will, a couple of things to really think about. And if these are the case, then, then yes, you probably are better off not you know, together, then, then, you know, better off not together than, you know, you would be off separated. And one of them is, and, and this one's kind of a little tricky, which is, you know, do you fundamentally have different morals? Right. And, and this doesn't mean that like, you know, I'm, I, I, I liked Hillary a little bit more and you like Trump a little bit more, like not that, but like, do we have serious fundamental differences in our relationships? Right. Like, is there, a gap in who we are. Now, for some of you, that's the best example to use. Well, I mean, you know, I, I got to be honest. I have friends where there was two partners who have very different views on that, and they're doing just fine. Whereas, I think I would have other friends who, if that was the case, they would not. But maybe, you know, not the greatest example, but not small things where, particularly, it is something that isn't going to last forever. Maybe it's something like I really like to, you know, put time and energy into being an entrepreneur and my partner does not get that and is more of like a regular nine to fiver. Like that's something that isn't necessarily like big, different moral dilemmas. But if, 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 if you have some big, big fundamental differences in your morals and your beliefs around that, then it might be a place where you recognize that this is not um, an area where you can bridge that. Uh, Josh, you have a face. So go yeah, ahead. well, no, and I'll go along with that, right? It's not just morals. Like, it, you can possibly have more. So, morals is an easy one to be like, yeah, we have different morals. Like, I think polyamory is good, and you think all polyamory people, polyamorous people are horrible sinners. Like, okay, yeah. Like, you know, like some of the stuff Cassie was saying, you know, there's there's lots of easy example with morals. But it is possible to have a situation that it doesn't have anything to do with morality, where you and a partner just want such different things out of life. You have such different goals that they're unbridgeable. But the thing is, this this isn't usually the case, right? And we were I was trying to brainstorm some examples of this, and I was like, well, maybe if like one person wants to be a hermit and the other person really, really wants to live in the big city and neither of them want a long distance relationship. Like 
That's a good example, right? And you can find smaller things on a regular basis. Kids are, are an easy example, right? Somebody really wants kids, absolutely 100% needs kids. The other partner absolutely is not willing to be around kids at all. That may be a situation that you have a hard time bridging. So there are life things that you can get into, like seriously different in life goals. Yeah, I want to run for political office and my partner doesn't want that kind of attention drawn to us. And we're both so dead set on that, that we have no room to move, right? You can come up with a hundred examples for this, but it is possible to have life goals that are so far apart that, uh, that you're not compatible. But I will say I, that is much, much more the exception than it is the rule. The other kind of two things that I wanted to add to this aren't necessarily what we would consider incompatibilities, right? Like when we're thinking about incompatibilities, but they are things that lead us to a place where we probably are better off not together. And one of those things is believing that our partner is a horrible person, is a monster. And I don't mean on the occasion or when we're arguing, but like deep down, you can't find that positive place for your partner anymore. You can only view your partner as a bad person. Um, if you have gotten to that point, along with being tapped out, like you just don't care about your relationship anymore, you're done, you just don't have it in you to want to put any more effort. If you're at that place, the incompatibility isn't actually in the things, it's in you. Like no matter what your partner does, no matter what you negotiate, what, no matter what agreements you come to, if that is where you are, nothing's going to feel good anyway. So even if it's an agreement that otherwise would have worked, or even if it was a situation that could have been bridged, if you are at this place where you view your partner so badly and really you're just together because, well, we're supposed to be together because we're married and we said we'd be together because of the kids, and you're at that point then you got, are going to be incompatible because no matter what they do or what you do, you're going to find flaws in those interactions. So those are just some things to kind of keep in mind. But the thing is, is that normally incompatibility, right? The idea that we have as far as, you know, not being able to bridge those things isn't actually the problem. It isn't the problem that we, you know, don't like the same things or we can't do this thing or that. Usually the big problem is that we're stuck in, you know, this black and white sort of thing that we're going through, this mindset that is that is black and white, which is I want this thing, you want that thing. This is going to make me happy, this is going to make you happy, and if we can't do it my way, I'm going to be unhappy. If we can't do it your way, you're going to be unhappy. Really, it's a failure of creativity. Right. It's a failure to see or be willing to accept. And we'll talk about that. All the options that are available, um, you know, it, and it's doubly a shame in polyamorous relationships because we have so many additional options, so many ways that we can get creative and come up with solutions for our problems, both on a small scale and a big scale um, and things that we can we get to creative solutions and make relationships work, like be happy and fulfilled in relationships in situations that if we were monogamous, we would not have that luxury. We wouldn't be able to do that. But for a lot of people, we really wind up with this failure of imagination, with this failure to come up with, to be creative, to see all of the possible solutions so that we can find one that actually works for us. And 
this is something that we all do. If you look at your conversations with a partner and you look at, you know, the last time that you had a disagreement and the last time you were unable to come to, uh, you know, to, to a place of agreement on something small, you know, look at, look at the laundry basket. This is an example that we give from our own <laughs> lives of something trivial where years ago, Cass and I got into this discussion about where discussion. the laundry basket was going. Discussion is a mild word. We got into an argument. Uh, yeah, we got into an argument. Let's be honest here. Yeah, about where the laundry basket was going, and this is and this is going to sound stupid. But most of these things are, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about the small scale and the big scale, right? You know, we we got into a discussion. She really wanted the uh, the what, what was it, Cassie? I don't even remember. I, anymore. I remember this very well. So um, the discussion was. I was keeping the towels in the bathroom on the shower to dry out, right? I wanted the towels to dry and not go into the basket, which was in our closet because we already have some mold issues in our house and water in dark places and baskets equal mold, right? So I wasn't okay with that. And you were really, really unhappy with the idea of hand towels and washcloths falling into the shower all the time because they were drying off you know, and then getting wet from other people taking showers so they'd stay in there longer. Um, so we went back and forth because you wanted the, the things in the basket and I wanted them hanging up to dry. And we got and this into, turned into an argument. It did. It turned into a very big argument. It turned into basically ruining an entire weekend, which really stunk because you had worked a whole bunch. You weren't home for like five days in a row. And then when you were home, we got into an argument about towels, which ruined the two days that you were home. Um, and it may seem silly, right? It might seem silly that it was something like towels. You know, we can laugh about it now, but it's things like that where we get locked into this. It has to be this way or that way. And we did. We went back and forth about it has to be in the basket or it has to be, you know, on the shower. And finally, after taking like a breather and stepping away, we were like, you know, is there any other options? And I was like, well, there's this little hangy thing that they make to hang towels up and we can put that in the shower. And that solved the problem. But we got stuck in that back and forth. Right. And that's that's this problem on a micro end, this problem of not seeing all the solutions that are there. But I can I'll give you another example of, of the macro end from our own life. And you can see how much this swings. Right. And then, Cassie, you can give a couple examples of of clients, things that we've, we've worked with. Cassie announced that she is pregnant. We're going to have a a, a little person in our household soon. And this is something that Cassie posted a stupid cute picture, by the way, on Facebook and in the <laughs> Facebook group. If you want to go see it, I, I uh, acquiesced to this this photo shoot, and it's it's actually stupid adorable. But you know what? What Cassie didn't get into with that is that's actually something that had we been stuck in black and white thinking could have been a pretty big disaster in our relationship. And to understand why, you have to understand that um, we already have a child. Cassie has really wanted another child. I have really not. I'm, I'm done, you know, at a point where I was done with the kid thing. And that was not something that I wanted for my life anymore. And, uh, you know, this, this pregnancy was unplanned is a, an easy way to put it. Um, IUD failure. Yes. <laughs> this was a failure. This was a failure in birth control. That was, uh, we had actually taken pretty, pretty significant steps not to have that happen. And I say that because of, you know, where I'm at with this, which is this is absolutely not something that 
I was looking at for this point in my life. I, I wanted to, you know, I won't go too far into it, but you know, I wanted to do, I'm at a point in my life where I wanted to do more adult things and not have to worry about that. You know, this is a situation that could have, had we been stuck in black and white thinking, been a disaster for our relationship in more than one way, right? But the thing is, this is something that we've known for a while. We are polyamorous. We have the benefit of having multiple options. We've had these discussions before. And the thing is, even though we weren't planning on a pregnancy, we had already planned for what can we do as far as an adoption? If we were to adopt a kid so that Cassie was getting her needs fulfilled, how can we make that work? What would the living situation have to look like to make that work for everybody? What would the childcare responsibilities have to look like to make that work for everybody? Amanda wants a child. What would her role be? How would that shift and make this, you know, potentially more workable in certain situations? And these were things that were way, way, way outside the box, right? <laughs> but these were discussions that we had already, we had, had gone through all the crazy options and we had already come up with things we could put in place that would work for everybody and would leave everybody in a place of being happy and healthy. And fortunately, those were plans that we had put in place before this all happened. Now, granted, stuff has to be tweaked a little bit because we were not planning for an infant. But the point that I'm making is, whether it is the smallest level, the smallest issue in our relationships, or the biggest issue in our relationships, because incompatibilities around children are one of the issues where there is not a lot of leeway. Being willing to go outside the box. Hey, there we go. We threw an outside the box. Being willing to go outside the box and being willing to examine all the options and being willing to really get creative with your solutions many times is what solves, what can solve these issues, what can create a path forward where you can't see them. And Many times we just, we wind up in these situations because we just fail to get creative enough. So we're going to talk a little bit about how to walk through those steps for yourself in just a second. Cassie, before we do, do you want to give any examples of things that we, we gave two examples from our personal lives, but um, uh, we don't need to talk about trivial things so much, but about some of the, the bigger things that we've worked through with clients on, you know, who, yeah, who have thought I'll, that they I'll were touch on some. I feel like I can't follow up from, from that spiel that you just gave very well, but I'll, yeah. I'll give a few. One of the areas that we have worked with our clients is non-monogamy and polyamory. And that is a, a big one. You know, someone who is monogamous and trying to work through the needs of the monogamous person and the needs of the polyamorous person. You know, a lot of times that that monogamous person is is scared that they're not going to get time and energy and things like that. And the polyamorous person wants to be able to have freedoms and being able to bridge that. We've had quite a few clients who have come through our program and had to bridge that together. Some of the other, you know, big things, a lot of, I mentioned before that schedules can be a small thing, but we've had clients who, you know, were on the verge of, of leaving each other because of scheduling, um, you know, and, and not being able to figure out how to deal with uh, the schedule, you know, I, I want a lot of freedom to see my other partners. You want to see me all the time. And, and, you know, we're, we're struggling to balance that. And, you know, I had one client and as an example of a creative solution, they were battling. And this is something that had plagued their relationship for like five years. They had gone to counseling for years. They had, um, you know, tried different schedules and 
And really what it came down to is they kept doing schedules on a monthly basis. And, you know, they tried different schedules, but they were planning it as a monthly basis. And, you know, I ended up talking to them and I said, well, why are we planning on a monthly basis? This always seems to fail in about a week, you know, a week or two weeks, it tends to fail. Why don't you guys make a schedule week to week? And even though that was only one thing that they worked on in the program, and that was like the first week, they felt like their relationship was so much better because they had finally gotten over that incompatibility that had plagued their relationship for years. So those are those are two sex others. Drives. Huh? I was just thinking like time, sex drives. Sex like drives is the big one. <laughs> and limits and sexual limits. And you know, I want I want the ability to do this with these partners while I'm not willing to sleep with somebody who's not using protection with blah blah blah. Look, there's I'm not gonna keep going down the thing. What I want you to understand though is that the vast, vast, vast majority of the time when we think we're incompatible, it's because we just have not gotten creative enough to find a solution that works for everybody. So let's talk about how you do that. So kind of the first step in in doing that is, you know, you want to make sure that you recognize, right, that you and your partner, you both need to recognize that the first step is knowing that there is not just two, two solutions to a problem. Okay. And that seems pretty obvious, but we all do it, right? We're going back to our whole towel discussion, right? Like we get into this idea of thinking that there's only two solutions and that if our partner doesn't agree with us or can't find a different solution, they're bad or they're not caring about us or they're not doing this thing. And we need to recognize that one, there's more than one solution. And two, nobody's at fault if we're stuck right now right? We're both in the same place. Yeah. I want to throw one more thing out here where I think, I think, I think this needs to go a step farther. You know, as Cassie said, you need to realize that neither of you are bad people for not being able to find a solution, but it's not just that. You also need to realize that your partner isn't a bad person just because they have different needs or wants or, you know, goals in life or that kind of thing than you. This is a place I think a lot of people get stuck is is they wind up in a situation where, you know, as soon as we, we get in a position where we feel like things aren't going to work out with our partner because we're incompatible, we kind of start painting them in our mind as a bad person or the enemy or somebody we shouldn't be with anyways. And that's just not the case. And you need to get to a place where you can understand that you might be completely incompatible with this person. You two might not be able to stay together. Like this might not be a relationship that you can be healthy in. That doesn't mean that the other person is bad. That doesn't mean anybody's at fault, right? That just means that there wasn't a solution that worked for both of you. But just because your partner wants or needs something different than you does not make them a bad person. So in addition to what Cassie said, I think it's really important to recognize that as well. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is, is that let's be honest, if the two of you are stuck, it's not because of one of you right? Like this is a problem that both of you are having. Both of you are, are, are stuck. So don't blame the other person for the progress not being made, right? If, if we're going around in circles, it takes both of us to do that. So one of the things you want to do is, is start coming up with new ideas, right? Like if you are stuck and we're going back and forth, come up with new ideas, even if you think that they're not as good as the original idea that you had. Yeah. So I, I think, I think a couple of things with us, right? Number one, I, I think 
Part of the reason that we don't come up with ideas, I think, is actually ties back to this, right? Which is we get really, really attached to our relationships looking a certain way. Like we get with somebody, we have something that we like about this relationship, and we get really attached to our relationship looking like that forever. And that's a spot where we we bankrupt ourselves of ideas, right? So just as an example, I'll, I'll step back to to this situation that we're talking about with children. Cassie and I have lived together for years, like in a house, we share a bedroom. And while neither of us want to change that, the fact of the matter is, is that if we weren't willing to change our, situ- our living situation a little bit, this upcoming thing with the baby would probably not be workable for at least one of us. And so we get attached to our relationships looking a certain way. As it is now, we're like, okay, well, you know, this isn't exactly what we've been doing or or exactly what we wanted, but we can come up with like maybe a separate room in the house where Josh can sleep. But we do these things all the time. We get really stuck in our relationships looking either how we've pictured them in our head or how they've been in the past. And because we're so focused on that, on keeping to that status quo, on keeping things the same, we don't come up with other ideas a lot of times because those ideas don't fit into that picture that we have. And we, we really put ourselves in a bad situation because this is what you need to ask yourself, right? You have this person, you love this person, you're, you know, you're, you're this much compatible with them, you really enjoy them, they're, they're a positive to your life. Well, is it better for something that you don't necessarily want to change to change? Or is it better for this person to be out of your life entirely? I mean, even, even if that situation is, you know, even sometimes the situation comes down to we're still going to be partners, but we're not going to be quite as entwined as we are now, right? We've seen, we've seen relationships with some people where it's like, well, we were primaries, but, you know, really we've evaluated this and really we were on the verge of breaking up. And I'm going to actually, we're, we're talking about some clients now, right? We've, we've had some clients who, and I can think of, of one group in, in particular, who they'd been primaries. They were trying to make things work, trying to make things work, couldn't work, couldn't work, couldn't work. It was that or they were going to break up. It was that or they were going to break up. And eventually they found that, you know, they didn't work well as primaries, but they worked really, really well as secondaries. And if they'd been so stuck on that, we have to stay primary end of it, um, they would have lost a relationship entirely that turned out to be really positive for both of them. Right. So I'm not, I'm going to get off this, 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 uh, this, this thing here, but just keep in mind that in order to come up with ideas and especially to come up with ideas that you haven't been able to come up with before, you really need to be willing to see things change that you might not otherwise want to. And you're not making any decisions, right? You're just coming up with the ideas. You can always talk about them, but you need to approach it from a place of, well, what, what's even the craziest thing that might work here? And when you get a, a little bit less attached to what that's supposed to look like, you're able to, you know, come up with, you know, the, for lack of a better term, but very fitting outside of the box ideas. Um, like that's where they come from is letting go of those things. Because the reason why they're outside the box is because they're not things that you would have thought of otherwise. And once you've, and once you've done that, right, once you've, you've, you're approaching from that position, then actually come up with new ideas. A big part of the problem is that a lot of times we approach like the laundry basket conversation Cassie and I were having, where it's, I want this, you want this, and that's it. Well, bring new ideas to the table. You have to actually bring them to the table. And it is amazing how often 
we fail to do this. I want you to think back over conversations that you've had with, with partners where you've gotten into arguments. And I want you to think about what percentage of the time the only two options that were being given there by anybody were your two opposing sides that you both came into the conversation with. Okay. So get, get, get a little unattached to things looking a certain way, come up with new ideas. And then once you've come up with ideas, then you can sit down with your partners and go over the options and actually see what, if anything will work. Maybe you get some ideas that you're like, well, that's mostly good, but we need to change it a little bit, but Hey, at least it's a good starting place. But that's how you need to approach this process. Anything else with that, Cassie? Um, I would say in the last thing with it, and this is just kind of like a pro tip on this, is actually do something. Actually, once you're there, you know, and you've negotiated, do something. Uh, even if it doesn't work, it's better than getting stuck back in this, you know, I need this, you need that. We can't move any further. You may find that you come to a conclusion or you may not, but at least you gave that option, like the good old college try <laughs> versus being stuck and, and being miserable in the same spot that you're in. Well, and this is the conversation we've had with some people who come to our program, right? You know, we, we get these people who they're convinced they're not compatible and they say, but you know what? I don't know if you're going to be able to help me come up with anything or not. But at least I'll know I've done everything, right? At least I'll know I examined every option and I gave it a shot. And if we do wind up having to part ways, then I'll know that that was what had to happen and that there weren't any other options there. Which brings me to the last point, folks. So that, that's, that's the process you need to follow, okay? And just outline it real quick. First off, realize that the question isn't, are we compatible, right? The question is, is there a way that our lives can intersect that benefits both of us, that's positive for both of us, that brings us joy, right? That leaves us better than we would be without each other. And then the question is, then you want to not get too attached to any particular idea before you go into it because you'll freeze yourself up and, and not have any other ideas. You know, it's that when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail kind of adage. You want to come up with new ideas. You want to present those new ideas instead of just putting out the two options. And then you want to negotiate and then it becomes more of a process of, well, okay, so 80% of this works and, you know, there's still like 20% of this that isn't okay. So it's back to the, you know, brainstorming some new things to see what we can do with this 20% and then you negotiate some more. So you can use that process and you can, if you are able to approach that effectively, you will find that the vast, vast, vast majority of the time, things where we think that we're incompatible with our partners, even things that are huge kind of show-stopping issues, are things that they do have solutions. Solutions that will work, that will make us happy and healthy and, you know, leave us enjoying our relationships if we get creative enough. Now, where this can get a little tricky is if you have gotten to a point where you you can't come up with any new ideas, right? Or uh, maybe this has gotten so bad that it's hard for you to even have those conversations with your partners. In a constructive, charitable way. In a constructive way. way, in a charitable way, to either come up with these ideas or maybe you, you've legitimately just, you've gone through everything you can think of and everything that, you know, kind of is in your realm of experience and, and you can't find anything that works. And if that's the case, if one of those things has happened, 
then maybe before saying, hey, you know, well, there is nothing here. We're not compatible. Maybe it's time to seek an outside opinion. Maybe it's time to hop on the phone and do a recall with us and talk to us and ask us, hey, here's, here's where we're at. Here's what we've tried. Are we incompatible? Or are we not? And here's the thing about it. If you are incompatible, we'll let you know. We'll let you know. We will. We've, we'll be very, very honest. Yeah, we, we have people that we get on and we're like, yeah, no, this isn't going to work. Here's, um, here's a book on how to constructively break up. Here's a couple tips. Um, this isn't going to work for you, right? And maybe that is what happens, worst case scenario. But maybe, maybe we have the objectiveness and the experience to see a solution that has eluded you. And maybe that's the thing that you needed. Maybe that's the, the, the little bit of creativity that you couldn't come up with. And you hear that and you go, oh, man, like that, that would actually work for me. That would actually work for all of us. And, and it's just not something we were able to come up with on our own. So, and more but, importantly, even if it's not something that you're 100% sure is going to work for you, it's the thing that gives you hope that there is a solution there, that there are options that you didn't explore. Yeah. So if that sounds like where you're at, set up a call with us. You can go to atouchoflabor.com forward slash call, book something on Cassie's calendar. I will say it's pretty foolish yeah. right now. Um, if you get there and you can't find anything, there's a little uh, chat button. Send us a send us a message over and we'll even if we have to put you out a little further, we'll find something that works, but we'll get you in somehow. Okay. Um, but thank you for joining us. This is a really kind of near and dear topic because this is something that we we it's really disheartening and it's really saddening to see people who you know they've been together for years and they love each other and they've got 99% of their 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 lives are perfectly compatible in and and but there's just this 1% there's this one thing that they can't find a solution for and and sometimes that's necessary right sometimes that's unavoidable and and there really isn't a solution for that 1% and in that case, and you do need to break up, and that's uh, and that's 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 tragic, right? But it's even more tragic when we see people who think that there's not a solution, who they're in positions that we've seen solved before, that we've seen other options brought up to before that have worked for people, and and but they don't see a path forward, and they break up even though they they otherwise have this amazing relationship, and there's just this one thing that they can't find a path on. So we went to. We wanted to talk to you about it and give you some tips and hopefully y'all found it helpful. So thank you so much everybody for joining us tonight. It's always great to get on to talk to you. Super happy Cassie was actually able to get her face on. It's yep. fantastic. And uh, like I said, if you're going to be around uh, Denver, come out and see us. If you're kinky and interested in power exchange, go to Apex, come to our classes, say hello. We'd love to see you and we'll talk with you soon. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask, or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF1. 